Hey everybody and welcome to episode 17 of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valluri and this week I had the pleasure of talking to Dom Lay. Dom is an absolutely prolific concept artist and illustrator who has created a very distinct style of his own and his work is extremely recognizable especially after the release of his first book Journey to the East last year. We spoke about his education and how he got into the art art field and the various hurdles he had along the way while trying to find his unique voice and style in the art world we also spoke about the process that he had to go through while creating his first art book and what are the lessons he learned along the way he also shared a lot of great insights about his upcoming book known as blue november and where he plans to take his work down the road Dom also shared a lot of insights that he has gained while teaching students and how he is trying to find a good balance between the personal life as well as the artwork that he creates so that he can maintain a more sustainable lifestyle and to ensure that he doesn't burn out producing work at the rate that he does so i hope you all really enjoy this episode and let's go so dom once again thank you for coming on the podcast like i was telling you earlier a lot of people have been requesting you to be coming on the show so i'm guessing your work really resonates with a lot of people yeah, i'm honestly really grateful to be here thank you again for having me said uh yeah i'm great uh please share my thoughts today so uh whatever you need to ask me just ask me <laughs> awesome <laughs> we're going to start with um I think first even before we get into any particular stories or anything of that sort I really wanted to talk about how we got to know each other itself because we don't know each other personally it's just through Adrian and Andre we started talking on Discord and I think that's something I've really been enjoying especially over the last one year you know interacting with so many new artists and meeting new people I think even though we haven't been able to physically go to any event it's been a blessing of sorts to get to know more people yeah um i think i saw your work quite a while back actually mm-hmm. it was um maybe last year i i don't know if you were there when i was working on my first project but i think we i i came in contact through your page i think through adrian and andre so mm-hmm. i think they showed me your page and i checked it out and like Dude, this guy's doing a lot of sick stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Doing fall. But yeah. Um Yeah, I, how did you come across my page actually? <laughs> I'm kind of curious. It was pretty much through them as well. Like um I remember I was on a Discord call with Adrian and Andre and they brought up your work in a conversation. So I think that's where I came across your work for the first time. And that was when you were still working on your first book. and it wasn't out yet so i think you were in the almost the final stages of releasing that project so i could see a lot of content was already there and of course your work and your style is quite unique so it was like really interesting to see that journey of the book getting developed and you putting it out there and that's also something i really want to get into as well in this conversation oh, thanks man appreciate it it was a it's a really painstaking process but i'm i'm happy to share more details uh What would you like to know about more of it <laughs> if you I think first I want to go into your education because even though your work is at yeah. such a high level and such a high quality I believe you're still a student in LCAD or recently graduated if I'm not wrong 
Yeah, this is actually my last term at uh, Laguna College of Art and Design. That's the college that I go to. And um, I actually started way back before LCAD, like this whole art thing. I started in 2014. Mm-hmm. That was when like everything uh, pretty much came to me. Like I was looking into like Feng Zhu on YouTube. And <laughs> I think you've discussed this with a lot of artists, how yeah. that was like the first breaking point of like how I wanted to get into this industry and like go on a concert art and things like that. So um <clears throat> yeah he started off with like my career. I think like I looked at a lot of uh those speed paintings that he did, mm-hmm. like those 10 minute speed paintings. Those are like so interesting to me. I wondered like how could you do that? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> and that just blew my mind how somebody could paint that fast so quickly. But after a while, like understood that's years and years of practice. You, know, you can't just do that right off the bat. Like I tried that several times, like in the beginning and it just failed horribly. <laughs> just that expertise and that level of preciseness is developed over time. And um, I was self-studying for almost four years I would say before I went to college um it wasn't like it it was probably like one of the most difficult things I had to go through because I didn't have a mentor by my side and I was trying to figure things out like pretty much on the roll and no one was there to guide my hand and I was lost for quite a while (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do I don't know what direction to take my art in and I was pretty stagnant for a while until um, I had mentors to guide me in the right direction finally so I think like towards 2018 was when I had my first mentor Scott Flanders Mm -hmm. Uh, he's he's really a great character designer creature designer and um, I think we had a conversation in uh, his classroom and he gathered like all my colleagues around me (laughs) and he put my portfolio up on display and he pretty much just roasted my old portfolio. He's like, Oh, you're doing, (laughs) you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. And just like scrap everything and do it again. And that just, (laughs) it was a huge blow to me because Hmm. I, I honestly didn't know what to do. I was, pretty much shooting in the dark for quite a while with my work and I didn't have that structure or that foundation of someone to like show me what I could take to find my voice was it was it demoralizing for you at that moment or was it like almost burn I mean ignited a new fire inside you to prove to him that you could come back from that and show him even better work from that point onwards I think it was like an awakening like a wake-up call Mm -hmm. because at that time I was kind of copying a lot of my heroes Mm -hmm. (laughs) like uh, John Park was my biggest art hero at the time and you know I told Scott I was like I want to paint like John Park but he asked me like why do you want to do that you know why why don't you want to just create your own thing like why don't you want to be yourself instead of being him and like <laughs> that, that kind of struck a chord in me because I didn't 
know how to do that exactly. I didn't know how to be myself because I was looking at someone else, you know? And I think at that point, um, he asked me like, what do you like? Like, what do you like to draw? What do you like to do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> and that, that took me a lot of soul searching. And he helped me kind of find that um, path. And I was super grateful because he said, you know, instead of looking at the things out there, why don't you dig deep into your childhood and find things that resonate with you till today? I was like, that's a good point. I never, never thought about it that way. <laughs> and so <clears throat> um, I try to think of every single thing that I liked in my childhood and what I could do to bring that to the forefront of my artistic career now. And I liked a lot of adventure movies mm -hmm. like Indiana Jones and Tomb Raider and like, uh, is that one game like? Just came out recently. Uh, <laughs> it was it was some adventure game, but just the whole adventure genre was was something I was really into, and that's what made my project Journey to the East, which is based around that Orientalism time period, which I found like really fascinating to me because I, I I just love that genre so much. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it it almost seems obvious right once somebody somebody puts it across to you that way that you need to search from your own childhood and your own life story these instances and moments that inspire you and until that time yeah. you're still trying to copy your art heroes so to speak yeah i think i was too focused on the stylistic approach of things like i wanted to get that juicy style because it looked so good mm -hmm. but i was losing the essence of who I was as an artist, you know, it's, it wasn't just about making like stylistic, nice brushstrokes and everything. It was to me, like after a while, after creating the project, it was more of how can I tell a story to people? Like, how can I make my story resonate with someone else or what they might find fascinating? And it was at that point where I was like, okay, <clears throat> I'm not going to focus too much on style. I'll just pick one style and I'll run with it. And the rest, I'll use story as a way to create my images. Hmm. That's how I want to approach it. That's an interesting so, thing because this yeah. was actually one of the questions that I had written down where clearly uh, your work revolves a lot around the narrative aspect and the storytelling aspect. And I remember very recently you were sharing some of your old work on Instagram, which was a co completely different style. And it was interesting to see that in a matter of two, three years, the style has dramatically changed. And now you've essentially yeah. locked on to this. I'm curious, how did yeah. that transition happen eventually? Uh, so it was, I think, um, I think that was a time where I was doing March of Robots, mm -hmm. the whole Instagram challenge thing, um, way back in 2016. And, you know, I was a really techie kind of person. Like I, I liked a lot of sci-fi and a lot of that, uh, you know, design kind of stuff. Like I like putting things together. And <clears throat> I thought, you know, 
this this was the way to go because I saw a lot of my peers kind of do a lot of uh, sci-fi type breakdowns and call outs and things like that. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should do this because they're doing it. But I didn't exactly think that this was going to sustain myself for a while. And I did that for a while. And I was just like, hmm, I don't, I don't know if I like this anymore. Because <laughs> it, I just felt I was doing what they were doing. And it wasn't what I was doing. Like I wasn't feeling authentic with my voice. And even though I liked the subject matter, mm-hmm. it really didn't resonate with who I was as an artist. And I saw, I saw more beauty out there in the world, like in, in other people, like traditional artists doing beautiful paintings outside and stuff. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like that just, that just calls to me too. And I know a lot of it is like, but I need a job too, you know? And that, that was like the other thing that was in the back of my head. If I don't do like call outs for like a junior concept art position or like uh, if I don't know how to design something, you know, I'm not going to get hired. But um, after realizing that for a while and creating my own personal project, I realized like it wasn't the case like for me. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think investing in the personal project actually helped uh, expand my job opportunities. And I didn't know it would actually get to that point because um, I I honestly didn't think like my project would be any use to anybody. (laughs) Like I I really undervalued it a lot, but I was like, you know, I I like this. So I'm just going to keep going with it. I don't care about the followers or the likes or anything like this is my passion and I'm just going to keep going with it and stay consistent with it and see where it goes because I don't think I've ever done this in my life mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I figured what if I just do this and um, see what comes out of it if I finish it to the end that's know? that's such a good point especially the point at the end that you finished it because even yeah. even to the point of committing to your project or the personal style that you're trying to attain, that's only the beginning of the journey. But finishing that task is so important. And then, of course, the returns start coming in there. Exactly. Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, the book is, is not, like, perfect at all. Like, it has tons of flaws and mistakes in it that I would change now if, if I had to. But I think... Like for me, the whole purpose of creating that book was to give to people mm-hmm. you know, as like a blueprint or a template for their own personal project, which is the whole reason why I did it in the first place. Um, not necessarily to like, like, oh yeah, I did this book because you know <laughs> it's not now to my name or something, but yeah. it's just to help people like get their own projects going and. It's cool to see several people message me like, hey, you, you've inspired me to start my own personal project and things like that. I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. I'm like super happy that's to hear that. <laughs> you know? So that's what brings me joy and fulfillment ultimately now is um, to create something for people to have as like a, 
sort of like a gift, you know, mm-hmm. I'm creating this so you can have in your library to look back on and maybe use it as inspiration for yours. But it's an yeah. interesting <laughs> thing. I mean, now you're at a position where people are reaching out to you with these nice messages, which obviously have inspired them and are fueling you further as well. But early on, when you were still a student, I was also quite curious about how and why did you choose LCAD? Because where you stay, there are like ample opportunities of different kinds and different modes of education where you can learn the the, tri- the tricks and techniques of the concept art industry and the entertainment industry. So what prompted you towards that particular school? Um, well, first of all, it was nearby. Mm-hmm. it's it's only like a 15 minute drive from my house okay. so i think it's one was the convenience but two was also the cost because it was a lot cheaper than a place such as art center art center can go in the hundreds of thousands for four years so alcad was a lot cheaper within my price range about twenty thousand a year so um but the education there uh i I didn't find the most fulfilling as much as I did the connections, the networking. I think those are the big opportunities for me. Um, As for learning painting and drawing and stuff, I did most of that online. So a lot of the classes that I took didn't help me as much as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And I really went in going, okay, I might be up against brainstorm type students, like the top of the top. But it turned out that a lot of these students were just learning art for the very first time and just learning Photoshop and just learning the basic of the basics. Okay. And I was like, oh, (laughs) so this this is the art school. (laughs) I didn't didn't exactly expect this, but uh, okay. And, you know, my folks, my parents, they wanted me to get my degree. Mm-hmm. So that was like the biggest thing for them is is mostly getting a piece of paper. But obviously, we all know that you don't necessarily need a degree in this industry. Especially but... with the kind of work that you already have. I'm not even sure why you're still in college. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, if, if I could rewind the clock back, like I would not go to LCAD mm-hmm. at all. But I'm still grateful for all the connections yeah. that I've made here. Cause if I had met my mentor, Scott, then I, I wouldn't, yeah, like layered painter and journey to the East and this new project would never have happened. I would still be experimenting. Like what do I want to do? Do I do, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Ah, oh, my work sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm just playing imposter syndrome for the rest of my life so yeah (laughs) do you think being in the middle of such big industry hubs comes with a set of pressure inherently to follow the style that's really popular and is essentially getting people a lot of jobs yeah i think there's definitely this huge pressure in the industry of new incoming artists Mm -hmm. they see other people on art station things like that and they see all that really high quality art on the community page and like oh this is the benchmark that i have to hit and it yeah it creates a lot of this scary pressure for them 
that I have to be this good to make it essentially. But you don't really have to be the best of the best. I don't think it's really that necessary. You know, like obviously you're not going to be Craig Mullins in four years. That's, <laughs> that's like not possible, yeah. but you can be good at what you do in the same amount of years, like whatever you're good at. <clears throat> I think that's why like, Oh, I feel like a lot of people struggle to make their portfolios, like where they want to take their style and where they want to take their voice and stuff. And I truly believe creating a personal project is one of the best ways to establish yourself because you don't have to struggle so much to find a artistic style. Mm -hmm. The story is what you make of it. And that is what people know you by is the story that you tell. And every person's story is unique in every way. Every character that any artist creates is unique. It's just like how they tell the story is what is their voice, essentially. So so let's go a bit deeper into your first book that is Journey to the East. You said, of, of course, yeah. a lot of adventure movies were part of your original inspiration. But was there any other personal stories involved or things that you had read that added to the narrative as well? Hmm. Um, I would, I would say like a lot of books, like comic books. I don't know if you know the Tintin series. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's a great series. Uh, my dad showed me those books when I was around 10 years old mm -hmm. and I ate, I ate them up like super quick. <laughs> so that was also the bench or the foundation for that project. Cause uh, there's something about it I was so engrossed in and just finding a lost treasure uh, and taking the steps to find it is, is what's really intriguing to me. Like two heroes or hero going on a journey to find something is, I think that just interests people. Like it um, fascinates them in some way to find something that's hidden. So I, I still wanted to bring a lot of the cultural elements from Orientalism and things like that. I, I did most of that research recently. Um, it wasn't something from my past that I really looked into a lot. Okay. But I like history and I like culture a lot. So that also ties in. Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite games, <laughs> game series, and that also played a role into it. But um, yeah, it was mostly those stories from the movies and the books that I've read that kind of amalgamated to that. And um, I never actually expected the book to be that long, honestly. How many pages was I, it? I it was uh, 168. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was supposed to be around 120 but I think that I, I tried to max out the content as much as I could until all my ideas were exhausted mm -hmm. and put everything together in a sequence of events. I don't really see one image from the project as anything great. You know, I, I ultimately like to see the whole project, the whole body of work as one piece. 
And that's what fascinates me more about world building is you have like all these Lego pieces that you're just putting together mm -hmm. until you build the whole thing. And that's where every single image like ties in to each other, essentially. I suppose it puts, it reduces the amount of pressure that you need to take on for each individual piece and instead just focus on the larger cohesiveness and the essential story that's running throughout the whole structure of the book. Yeah, I, I think um, when you have a process like this, when you have like a world building process, it is definitely, it's definitely a lot more satisfying because you're not always, you know, searching for the next thing to draw every day. You still have to build that world. <laughs> you know, you, you have to design the creatures, the characters, the props, the location, everything until it's cohesive. And you, I don't think you can really run out of ideas for a, a really long time unless you choose to. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good point. Yeah, I feel it, it's definitely, it definitely gives you a purpose to work for something like that. I mean, same with your personal project. You know, I'm, I'm sure you have mm -hmm. a lot of facets that you're putting together to make something bigger. So it gives you um, extra time to keep building on top of these ideas until it formulates into something that's cohesive for people to consume. And yeah. So I, it, I, I wanted to understand the beginning of this project, you know, because when we see the final book, it's like the shiny object where all the text is laid out, you have all the pretty pictures, but how did you start? Did you write down the entire story first or was it, the character that you designed first, how did that origin happen? So I made a ref board on Pinterest. That was literally the first thing I did. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, again, I, I thought back to my, ch my childhood influences and I liked a lot of that Middle Eastern type of aesthetic and culture. So I typed that into Pinterest, see what I could find. And the first thing that popped up was uh, this Orientalism image or this painting that was painted way back when I don't know the date, but mm -hmm. uh, it was of this woman who was sitting next to this fountain or like uh, these group of women standing next to this lake, uh, pitching some water in a jar. And I was like, that's really cool. I think the artist was Edwin Lord Weeks. And uh, there were a few others, but that was one of the first images that caught my eye. And I thought to myself, what, how can I bring this to like modern times with a hint of science fiction? Mm. That'd be freaking cool, you know? Because I don't see too many artists delve deep into Orientalism as much. So I thought, okay, what if I tried this out? Maybe it'll be cool. And regardless if people like it or not, like I'm still gonna see what story I can make out of this. And then from that point, after I created that first image, then I started gathering ideas of what I could do to like build the world around this one piece of imagery. So it kept stacking every time, like one piece connected to the last piece and before and before. So, so did you have like a timeline mapped out of all the events that are going to happen eventually? 
and the things that you need to represent in an illustration or as a concept? Not exactly. <laughs> mm, okay, I, that's interesting. I, I pretty much just uh, enjoyed the ride, I think. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what this whole art journey is, is. It is a journey after all. And I didn't really see an endpoint to this until I felt that it was time to put everything together. Because yeah, I, th I think there does come a time where you feel that, okay, maybe this should start wrapping up and um, move on to something else. So yeah. it wasn't until last year I was like, hmm, I should probably put all of these images together and see what I can, what story I can create out of all these hundred plus images that I have <laughs> laying around. Uh, so that was, that was a huge struggle in and of itself. That's was, interesting. I mean, the reason I was asking this was mostly because the people who will be listening to this conversation and of course, the lot of people who have already reached out to you, who have been inspired to start their own book, I thought it'll be interesting to see how somebody who has completed a project of the scale has approached it right from the beginning. And if you were to redo that project, and of course, you're doing another book as well, which we'll get into, but would you have been more structured from the beginning or would you have still followed the same approach? Um, part of me wishes it was structured a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the other part of me is like, I, I do enjoy the spontaneity of it as well, because I think if everything is too structured and planned out for myself, I tend to get strict within these deadlines. Like, okay, this has to be formed and this has to be formed just right. And this has to be, you know, but if I just let the process flow naturally, mm -hmm. then I can let the ideas and the process itself come together naturally. And I think that's what uh, ties into the authenticity of it is people like to see the little flaws and the imperfections yeah. of the whole thing because it adds, I think it adds character to it from what people say. So I think the most challenging part was writing <laughs> in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, I've never written any sort of text to images before so this was like the first time i i wrote text for different images and putting the pages together and like putting the layouts and everything <laughs> that was that was another mess as well <laughs> was there anybody helping you out with the typesetting and the graphic design of the book itself uh no everything was was done just me <laughs> uh, all right. which which is like um i I didn't have money to fund like an editor mm -hmm. or anyone to help me with the text. So I, I was really just low budget. And, you know, I saw other artists do their own personal projects just on their own. And I thought, you know, if they can do it, why can't I? You know I mean, like that type of mindset. Yeah. So I figured it's just a book. You know, it's not like a, a huge film or anything where you do need a lot of help. So I figured, you know, I I can do this. Uh, I'm going to try to do this. And um, for anyone who is looking into this, uh, I'm going to say firsthand, it's it's freaking hard. Like, <laughs> do not <laughs> underestimate <laughs> making a book. It's How it's long did it take you, thing. by the way, the whole process from the beginning to publishing? So... I started actually putting the book together 
in January of 2020. So I had about six months before I wanted to release it in May. And <clears throat> at that time, I still had a lot of concepts that I didn't ideate out yet. There were still parts in the story that was missing. That was like, oh, shoot, I need to paint this up. <laughs> I don't have anything for this part. It's like a black hole right there. So I had to paint some concepts in on the go while putting the project together. And part of me was like, dang, maybe I shouldn't have rushed that part. But part of me was like, it's better if it's finished than if it was perfect. Yeah. And like that was, I, I wanted to get something out there at least and um, put an end to this story <laughs> before it, it dragged out any longer. Because I, I could always make a second part to it. Like I will be in the future, mm -hmm. but that um, I think finishing is, is so important because a lot of times we, we end up having all these ideas, but we never um, put the lock on it. <laughs> and nothing ever comes out of it so yeah that's that's very true and you were doing yeah. all this while you were studying as well so it's not like this was your full-time gig yeah so I, I figured if I was still in school you know I, I had a lot of ample time to work on my on this project so I wasn't working any full-time jobs or anything I was just strictly focused on school mm -hmm. so how how can I use this time to to put this thing together because this this might be the only time I have before things get busy in the future. And so um, that's what I did. And I was studying like full time. I had full course load of classes while doing this. So trying to juggle that and my personal life and everything else. <laughs> I was really stressed out towards the end of the project. Um, I actually lost a ton of weight <laughs> oh, okay. um, from, from doing that. It was, it was pretty stressful because uh, I, I think I lost like eight pounds <laughs> in a week. It was bad oh. uh, because it's like this, this needs to get out. And the, the people I, I was talking to, uh, we were going back and forth between printing because the printing, it's, it's a whole mess too because you need to worry about the bleed of the page and the gutter uh, measurements and everything. And the lady who was working at the printing. She was like, this is off. This is off. You got to go back and fix this. And there was one instance where I had to go back all 168 pages to check the bleed on everything. And then <laughs> I, I was just using Photoshop to put this book together. No InDesign, nothing. I had this really crappy tablet, um, Photoshop CS5, not even like the newest one. And I had to eyeball everything. Um, there was no automatic bleed for me. I had to do it myself in the document. Um, but with InDesign, you can do that just, just like that. <laughs> but I, I didn't have that at the time. So I had to use what I had to use. and. Uh, even if it meant the long way, I was going to do it mm -hmm. because this had to get done. Um, there was no excuses on my end. So I, I made a promise and I had to fulfill it. So, And you took a conscious yeah. decision to not go down the Kickstarter route, right? Yeah, I personally felt 
if I did a Kickstarter, that would be a lot more pressure on me mm-hmm. because in my head I was thinking, okay, what if I don't finish this, <laughs> you know, um, because I'm doing this by myself and there, there could be a point where I don't finish it and I have people's money sitting in my lap and yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> that would be um, a lot of angry customers because they're like, where's the book? It's not out yet. I'm like, yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, so I just want to make sure everything was done first. Everything was completed, finished, and then I could finally release it. Um, but I wanted to fund it myself because I figured I don't, I don't want to, I don't like using people's money to fund my stuff. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this in the last podcast, but it, I don't know. I just, I want to do it with my money so that way they can just buy it for me i wouldn't have to ask them for money yeah but um it it was worth it in the end i was i actually used the funding money that i got from my job at nexon to fund the project so it wasn't like anything uh yeah it wasn't like a huge sum it was like a small investment that i put aside for that but yeah as is, I mean, the thing that really strikes to me is that you were still a student at that point and you're already making all these interesting choices and really looking at your career and the decisions that you're making in a very structured manner. How did you come to those points? Because Were you talking to somebody to get to this point or was that the culture like in the college? Oh, you mean to get to this point where I'm at now currently? Currently, like- as well as... Even just the thought of, you know, not taking on additional risk by taking people's money. And because it's so, I mean, a lot of people go into the Kickstarter direction and then they get stuck with the money without a finished product. And you clearly were thinking quite well where you were investing the money that you've gotten from your job and saving it up for an investment into your personal project. I mean, where were all these decisions coming from? Was Were you talking to somebody to analyze these plans or was it something that was just introspective on your own? I think it was mostly introspective on my own. I, I figure that if if I can just fund this myself, like I'd be happy if my customers are are just as happy with the product. So mm-hmm. um, maybe later, if I have more money, I could do a Kickstarter. Just because I want it to be safe. I, I don't want to have like uh, funding without any sort of money on hand. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Just want to end well and. Um, I think now at this point would be good because uh, my community is a lot bigger than it was when I did release Journey to the East. Um, I think at the time I had about 6,000 followers uh, after the project was released. Mm -hmm. And after that, the shares went all around and it started blowing up after. That's (laughs) amazing. yeah, I I personally think that this this is a great way to also get your foot into the industry because I think a lot of people believe that you know they they have to be like a senior concept artist to be recognized in the art world or like any sort of big position out there. But yeah, that's not always the case. I think like if you can create something that's really good on your own like that can already speak for itself 
and you can get established in the industry just like that. And while making that project, a lot of industry people were actually following me mm-hmm. through that project. And I haven't worked like any big gigs at all, actually. So Nexon was the only studio that I worked for. <laughs> I haven't worked for any other studio besides that. And um, people from like Ubisoft were following me. People from like CD Projekt Red were following me. They asked me what this was about. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you making? I was like, I'm just doing a personal project. <laughs> like, it's, it's nothing special or anything. They're like, that's so cool. Like, really like how this is forming in your world and your world building is awesome. And yeah, I, I never expected it to be, to come this far. Um, yeah, I think it's the projects that you don't really think much of. It does happen to turn out bigger than you yeah. expected. <laughs> so um, I think it's just that passion that you need to have for your projects because without without that drive, without that passion, I, I probably wouldn't have finished the book at all. Um, it, was, it was mostly due to that that I was able to eventually I put it put all together. So after the project finished, was it like a time for you to take some time off and just cool down? Or did that just energize you to just jump into the next project immediately after that? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did take some time to uh, take a break. Yeah, so I, I took a month off from posting. And it's like, hmm, what is the next story going to be? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was thinking in my head. Like I want to, because I, I don't want to just go back to making random images. You know, like I I didn't have any sort of direction with my work. I, I didn't want to go back to that because I had already been doing that for yeah. the first four years of my career. Um, experimenting phase is like done with me. I could still experiment within my projects. Like that's what I believed. So I felt. Hmm, this next project could be a completely different genre from Journey to the East. And why don't I make something that's based in Italy, for instance? I, I don't know. It just like popped up in my head. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have any plan for this next project, just called Blue November. Um, for anyone out there who doesn't know. And this was also based like through influences from my childhood. So I liked a lot of Dishonored, uh, Dishonored series yeah. and detective games and uh, like, uh, what is, I forgot that one TV show, uh, but it was like a detective show. And um, yeah, the mystery genre was something that I found really intriguing as well. So what if I took Bioshock meets Dishonored meets L.A. Noir? freaking cool <laughs> that, that's that's what i really liked and yeah and so i also researched into different uh traditional artists and this one artist really caught my eye and his name was thomas schaller and the way how he paints light in his watercolor pieces was like something i've never seen people out there do like digital artists so I thought, what if I adapt 
that sort of style to digital. That'd be freaking cool. <laughs> so I tried to experiment with that. And I did like three quick paintings trying to see like how I could adapt the style. And <clears throat> I made one image that I felt was kind of final. And I posted it after a month uh, after my break. And it just blew up like crazy. I did not expect anybody to take interest in this at all. <laughs> like it was, oh man. And so from that point, it's like, okay, I can get this ball rolling now. So how can I, so then I, I started thinking about the structure of this project. I wanted it to do with light and statues and grand architecture in Europe. So those are like the three elements that I had in mind. And I wanted to make it beautiful. So this was something that was completely not related to like my old project or anything that I used to do in the past. I wanted to make this almost romanticized, you know, like really illustrative, really uh, evocative as much as I could. Uh, this was my chance to be more expressive with my work and um, more artistic and more just just art, you know, yeah. <laughs> just like pretty art. And that's, yeah, that was like my motive for Blue November. So a couple of and questions that come to mind immediately. Firstly, um, do you want to reveal what Blue November means in the sense like what's the origin of the name yeah so blue obviously means blue in italian the word blue and november i'm still thinking about how i want to tie in that part into the story because mm -hmm. these events are taking are um are leading up to that month in the story okay so it starts like back in january of like the 1900s and then all these events unfold until November, which is uh, the premise of the story is of this detective. His name's Alphonse, and he's trying to find this missing woman in this city called Vespus. And it's really <clears throat> a crime-ridden city, and there's a lot of like violent murder rates happening in this in this area. But it's also beautiful at the same time. So it's supposed to be like ironic. In a sense so i want it to be dangerous but also beautiful to look at and so um yeah they, that's interesting it, it seemed to in, intrigue a lot of people i guess so and, um did this since this was your second book did this give you a chance to almost refine your storytelling abilities and write down more of the story before jumping into the painting or did you want to retain that organic approach and let the work essentially develop uh, yeah, I think it was a bit of both. Like, I, I definitely wanted to uh, have more capabilities of storytelling mm -hmm. uh, to use in my work. But most of these days, I've been I've been thinking about the story a lot more than the actual art. So I piece together the story before I work on the artwork. Like that, I try to craft it as much as I can before painting anything because if the story is lost in the image 
then to me it doesn't matter if it's like a pretty painting or not like it's just a pretty painting with no story mm. and no no essence to it you know so i wanted to make sure that the story could be well thought out instead of just making it a nice piece you know and i've get, i've been getting comments from people saying yeah we really like reading the descriptions a lot and that adds like another layer or element to the piece it's not just the piece itself that's good so i think that's really special yeah. for those kinds of people so right. oftentimes when you're doing your first big personal project it's basically out of the love for the craft and you're just doing it for because you enjoy it so much does the second project come with some sort of expectation of bettering the first project and replicating the success that you had with the first one that's a good point because <laughs> uh, i think for the second project it the, the first project I think had a lot less expectations mm -hmm. because it didn't have a huge audience at the time. So I was kind of just doing this for fun. There was really no pressure to post maybe like once every couple of days, but <clears throat> I, I still don't have that pressure now. Mm -hmm. It's just the, I think the, the quality bar of the second one is a lot higher. Yeah. because uh, keeping consistent with the style of it, it can be challenging sometimes because uh, I'm looking at like different locations and how to uh, create the light in a way that is fascinating to look at. And that's a big challenge in itself. But I think, yeah, the, the pressure is on for the second one because <laughs> there's lots of eyes on it now. And yeah. it's like, it, it definitely does create this expectation, but I try not to let that get in the way of just, you know, I'm, I'm still like wanting to post whenever I want to. Mm -hmm. I'm not having this pressure on myself to like, okay, gotta post every day for for the audience because that'll please them. Like, no, I don't really care as much. Like I'll post when I want to post mm -hmm. and it'll still get traction regardless. So it's, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not like this immense pressure that I have to post every day. And I, I've also experienced like the burnout and everything, mm -hmm. like in the past, like it, the pressure of just posting every day is, is too much for me. I think I've let go of that mentality now and just post like once every six days or so. Yeah. So, I think that's a good, healthy approach towards this because especially when people are really enjoying the content that you're producing, it's so easy to fall into the trap of doing just that, whether you like it or not. So it's good that you're able to recognize these things early on and not get into that trap. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't want to make it so it's okay. I'm gaining lots and lots of followers to, to boost my self-esteem. It's not about that. It's more about how can I make the project uh, enticing and inspiring for other people mm -hmm. to enjoy. And <clears throat> I, I try not to let the numbers get in the way of the project because I feel once you let numbers overtake your project, it's just going to come crashing down because that's all you're going to be focused on and more expectations rise out of it. 
rather than just for the love of the craft and the passion for just getting this done, you know, yeah. uh, and seeing it, seeing it come to life is what I'm more interested in than purely just gaining tons of attention for, for no reason. Yeah. Um, even without a huge follower base, I would still finish this project. And um, that to me is, is more gratifying. From a technical yeah. standpoint, when you are developing these images, what's your process like? Um, is it just pure painting in Photoshop or are you using some 3D? I mean, how is the process like? So I'll, I'll just use um, a couple of reference images. Mm -hmm. I, I tried to not use as much reference as I used to in the past. Um, in the past, I would spend at least three or four hours just gathering reference and <laughs> I, I could not do that process anymore. <laughs> like, uh, I try to keep my research time a little bit lower mm -hmm. and focus more on using the fundamentals to make the image look nice. And so I'll usually take like a reference image that I find, like a black and white uh, piece of photography that I found like, in the 1930s or something. Mm -hmm and bring that to color somehow. So using the fundamentals of light, logic, and um, painting, I could do that really quick, but also uh, take my time on it too. So I, even though it's it looks loose and very impressionistic, there's still like a lot of thought that goes into it because it's not just, you're, you're doing it super fast and you're letting all the brush strokes fly, but taking the time to make sure the lighting is makes sense yeah. you know, to, to look at least somewhat right, not perfect, but it's like, wow, I can feel something out of that image. That's, and that's the most important. That's a good point. I mean, and this is something I wanted to touch upon as well. For somebody who's just in the beginning of their journey as an artist, who's trying to find the style and at the same time also trying to learn the fundamentals, how would you ask them to approach this journey and in essentially find their own voice? Because you clearly have found something that's unique to you at this point. Yeah, I would say, you know, take the time to experiment. I don't think there's a limit on experimenting. Um, you know, from what I felt four years was quite a while for me to finally start putting uh, my skills to the test on something larger mm -hmm. but you know you might take five or six years however long you need i don't think there's like a time limit on that um but it's, it's until i think when you have the skills to create a decent image that people like i think that's a good time to start developing your portfolio or like your personal projects or your voice or things like that um <laughs> I think there, there was a time where I felt like, when when am I actually ready to do something like this? Yeah, yeah I think that's the question um, a lot of young artists struggle with. It's like, I don't know when I should start my personal projects. Like, I'll do it when I get a job. <laughs> you know, I'll <laughs> do it after I, I work or something. It's like, I should probably start it now. You know, <laughs> I think like now is a good time to start when you're still young. Yeah, because um, you know when you get into your 30s, you might not have that stamina 
left in you to, to keep going because we get older, we get weaker over time and our, our mental power is, is not as strong as we are like when we're young. And so I want to tell young artists to take advantage of that. You're still young, even though you're, you're experimenting, you can make something that's at least related to your project. And um, what I do is I try to improve after each painting. So each painting is a benchmark from the, the past paintings. So what, ask myself, what can I do better from the previous paintings in this painting now? And I just keep applying it to each new one that I do. And that's how you improve and level up in your artwork, I feel. Hmm. You know, when you're yeah. doing these longer projects, which span a year or six months or whatever time span of that length, do you ever go back to the beginning of the project and try and improve the things that you had done right at the beginning of the project? Because clearly after one year of working cons consistently, your skill will improve, your eye will improve. Yeah, I for the first project I did that, mm -hmm. I actually went back to some old images and I revamped them. Okay. And it was probably the best decision I made because uh -huh. I realized there were, there were some things that were off that I should have fixed better. And I think that that definitely ups the quality a little bit more. So I think, yeah, if you uh, see pieces that you've done in the past that you think you can improve on, like improve on them and change them out, it's, yeah, it's not wrong to do that. I think yeah, you can use the skills that you have right now to make something better. It'll just make your portfolio feel better too. So. so I wanted to talk about the struggles of this journey as well, because a project of this length yeah. doesn't come without the struggles. Were there yeah. moments where you felt like this, the first book or this current book isn't going to work out the way you wanted it to, or maybe the style isn't working? Can you share something along those lines? Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely had a lot of anxiety with mm -hmm. the first book. Because um, at the time... Uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing something of this scale as an artist who's not officially in the industry yet, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have this, this pressure who like, okay, how am I going to make something that's on the industry level, but I'm not in the industry yet? Yeah. So th there was like that thought going through my head and, um, <clears throat> my, my skills weren't as good at the time like I, I was still trying to find my footing as an artist as mm -hmm. well and like trying to see where the story was going to go because I didn't know where it was going to go obviously I didn't have a structure or anything so <clears throat> I really had to make things up as I went along but yeah I th there there were just times where <laughs> I just banged my head against the wall <laughs> trying to figure out how this how this thing would would work because if I was doing this by myself like how am I going to do this by myself you know like I see a lot of other artists getting help with other artists helping them out in their projects and things like that but I didn't really have that help uh behind me so that was like the biggest struggle that I dealt with is trying to adapt I think to the project is is really challenging and um, I, I got a lot of 
like criticism on my work and stuff saying like oh your your brushes brush strokes are so loose and everything i'm like yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) i can clearly see that like um a lot of uh i get a lot of flack from other people saying like you need to tighten your stuff up it looks too loose like no one can can read what you're painting or anything like that and that kind of shot down my self-esteem a bit because i was like yeah i probably should should do that in tight fingers but then i had like other people who do like the loose quality Mm -hmm. and so i was at that roadblock of like who should i trust (laughs) like should i listen to people who say i need to do this more or do i listen to people who do like it so i just did what i naturally was good at and i wanted to paint a little bit more loosely but also tighten some focal point areas that Mm -hmm. i felt needed more attention and I think I found that middle ground finally to take that feedback and apply it and take what people liked and apply it as well but um yeah it was it's still still a lot of struggle like a lot of uh battling with self-esteem low self-esteem and trying to just (laughs) find my way through this this art world in, its, yeah. in and of itself because yeah I, I i saw a lot of my friends working in the industry already but i still wasn't working any studio jobs so this personal project was one of the one of the things i was holding on to mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and i felt like i could use this to my advantage to um maybe make more opportunities for myself from this yeah instead of applying somewhere and um turns out like it's it's definitely like come a long way and a lot of opportunities have sprouted from this project that i didn't even think it would happen um but that's how i got to work at my first studio gig at nexon um that's how they wanted to hire me was through this project so that was really cool i guess that's the best feeling right when you get recognized for your own personal work and they want you to do that what you already like doing yeah i think that's what's really the most satisfying is you get to work on what you like to do Mm -hmm. and what you're good at and they choose you for that instead of i'm just applying for this job because this is the requirement for the job but i don't necessarily have that requirement yeah (laughs) Yeah. And um, I know you've been spending a lot of time teaching as well, right? So are are you mm-hmm. teaching the same style of your work or is it more tailored towards what the student requires? So I kind of teach a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach stuff that's related to concept art and things that you would paint in the industry and things like that. And um, some of the stuff I've shown to my students my personal projects and things like that. And <laughs> I, I know, oh, boss is going to kill me for saying this, but <laughs> yeah, I, I try to like slip in a little bit of information to my students mm-hmm. and say like, hey, like you should start on this personal project of yours. <laughs> like <laughs> it could it could be something great for you uh, along the way. And I don't know if they, they might take that advice or not, but mm-hmm. You know, just planting that seed in them to not just work 
in the studio environment, but to also have something for yourself. Because when you have something for yourself, you know, nobody can take that away from you. And like, that's something unique to you that I don't think a studio can necessarily give to you and only you can give to yourself. And um, it's, it's good for these students to find their own footing or their own voice because it might their projects might lead to something bigger one day like it could be on the big screen sometime i don't know if you saw ben morrow's huxley project yeah but uh yeah that's pretty amazing yeah like him and dan lovisi and all these other guys who made their own stuff like are really inspiring like i look up to those artists like, all the time I'm always amazed at these guys in terms of the sheer productivity that they have. It's yeah. along with all the professional projects and the life, everything else going on, they are managing to produce so much personal work at the same time. And that's something that's quite inspiring. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, I, I don't think I personally could do that, like working a job and finishing a personal project at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if anyone out there is is struggling to do that, um, you know, it, it's okay to work a non-art job, I feel. Like if you want to invest in a personal project, you need a job to pay the bills or something. Like it's not, you know, a job's a job and money's money. So if there's if this is a dream that you want to see come to life, I think it's it's worth it to go all into it and just work something on the side until this comes to fruition because that's what I did pretty much. And uh, and it takes time. I think that's the most important thing. Even when Ben Mauro finally finished all the pages for Huxley, I think he mentioned it took him three or four years to put everything together. And you have to be that patient yeah. to really complete yeah. the project. It definitely takes a lot of persistence. Uh, I and then when people see the final product, they're like, oh, it, it's just a book. Like, it looks easy. <laughs> you know, they, don't, they don't know the, the backbreaking work that is behind all that. They're like any sort of long-term project. It's hours and hours and hours, days and weeks and months and years. Like, I, I tell people all the time, you know, could you sit down doing the same subject matter, the same genre for three or four years? Like that's I think most people get bored yeah it's tough. they would just quit and a lot of people will quit after maybe a month of doing the same thing over and over but it's ironic uh, right if you're working a studio <laughs> job that's essentially what you would be doing yeah where I mean generally so, game cycles are becoming so long these days it's like six years or five years yeah but then it's it's not your project and you know hmm. it's uh, someone else's vision or like dream unless that's what you like to do which is i'm totally like not against that but i think for i think a lot of artists want to make their own things like most people yeah. want to have their own personal thing and um you definitely have to have to love it because i think if the loves for your project is not there you're you're gonna quit after a couple months you're not gonna see the light of it and I, I see a lot of artists starting personal projects and they they quit after a couple of months and I'm like what happened to it <laughs> it was getting so good <laughs> like it could have been something and it just yeah 
maybe they weren't feeling the passion for it or they got swamped with work or something like that but it's these things that you got to find within yourself to really want to push it to the end you know do, do you think there's almost this inherent pressure that has come up over the last couple of years where you everyone needs to have this major personal project that's ongoing at all times and maybe some people just don't want to do it but they get pressured or self pressured themselves into starting something that big and maybe circumstances in their life just doesn't allow for it yeah i think um well i guess there is some pressure i i don't know if i can clearly see it mm-hmm. but <laughs> i think uh let's see can you rephrase the last part of the question i mean essentially i'm just wondering out loud if looking at so many people do these really big personal projects for so many years people especially in the junior side of the industry start taking on that pressure on top of the of on top of setting up a career to have their own personal projects as well and they essentially drown themselves in even more work trying to find this passion of theirs Oh yeah. I think um I think it all comes down to choosing your battles honestly. Like I personally believe you can't do everything. <laughs> it's it's impossible to to want to do everything. I mean it feels good to do work and your personal project at the same time but sometimes that's not humanly possible for a lot of people and yeah you you kind of have to go down one route or the other. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's possible to do both with full energy and full passion because I imagine working full time in a studio you'll get burnt out like after the yeah. job and you just want to rest. You know, you want to play video games or something. And <clears throat> I I totally get that. Like um recently now I've been going the more entrepreneur route. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sort of branching away from a studio job and kind of opening up my own personal IPs instead and teaching on the side. So that's brought me more fulfillment, but some other people might find a studio job fulfilling. That's totally cool. Whatever makes you happy. Um but I yeah, I think for young artists, it's like do you do you want to go the studio route if you do? That's great if you want to go the personal route. There's also benefits to that as well. I don't think um well people might believe that there would be no rewards or benefits from doing a personal project especially if it doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel but there's still benefits to character and growth cuz during the project I felt a lot of character development personally like in my life like how to manage time how to manage stress how to <laughs> um keep my relationships with other people as well while doing this how to persist on a long-term goal um how to see it come to fruition and i have honestly have not felt the happiest i felt in a long time after it was finished like it <laughs> i think my overall happiness went 10 times through the roof after i completed it cuz <laughs> it's it's one of those things like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy i guess mm-hmm. when you finish something so big bigger than yourself like 
you do feel a high sensation of relief <laughs> and joy. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I felt. Uh, after that point, I I was never depressed about my artistic career ever again. Oh. Um, yeah. Those are, those are, uh, that, that's a really great insight. I mean, it's almost like you mirror the journey of your protagonist itself in your own life because you get so deep into the story, so emotionally invested in it. And the success yeah. is replicating in your own life. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, there's this quote, I forgot who it was by, but it says, um, sacrifice a few years of struggle for decades of freedom. And that's I think amazing. that's a really good quote because yeah. uh, you have to, you got to put in the work before you see like the results, the greener grass on the other side. And I feel a lot of people don't want to go through that struggle to make something come or pop off because a lot of people want the easy route. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they want the the final success right away, but without all these struggles and without all this pain involved, like mental and physical, not, not nearly physical, but mostly mental. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of pressure. I think without it, you won't build any character and you won't have the drive to want to finish it. Um, I think in this example, yeah. um, Alberto Mielgo's work has been a pretty big inspiration for me because he has been able to bridge that, style and passion that he has with his professional work and it's essentially given him so much freedom to be able to create what he wants and that's of course come after decades of hard work yeah Milgo's great he's really prolific i feel if you can throw anything at him he'll, he'll make art <laughs> he's he's great at that like he can, he can be anything like a, a painter someone who works in animation uh, drawer, draftsman, like he can do everything. Um, but that's what I really admire about him as an artist is like, yeah, whatever you throw at him, he can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I feel as an artist, you, you should have uh, a lot of skills behind your belt, even though you might not need it, you might need it someday. Yeah. Like 3D and stuff. Like it's, it's good to know that stuff. Um, you might have to whip it out of your tool belt sometime. And uh, yeah. Do you ever spend time out of the project that you're working on and kind of learn these tools on the side? Or is it only when you need it for a particular task that you're working on? Um, I think I mostly, I mostly learn things on the fly. Mm -hmm. So while I'm doing the project, I might okay. learn something. Uh, I don't really have much time right now to take time aside to learn things because mm -hmm. in, in college, you know, we're, we're learning things and we also have to make good art at the same time, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't believe it should be structured like that, but I, I feel there should be a set amount of time where you do learn the tools. It's, it's so much better to do that than to lump everything with uh, making art and learning the tools, but sometimes I, I do understand you have to do that on certain occasions where, you know, you're working in a studio and they, they need you to get this skill 
or they need you to use this skill for this task yeah. and you have to learn this in like a couple of weeks months which is i totally get but if if it's just for yourself i think taking the time aside to learn the skill uh, maybe a couple of months or however long you need and then applying it to uh, your project is it's a lot better than you know having all this pressure to learn the material and make the art so yeah that makes sense it yeah. eases the expectation of every single task and allows you more room mm -hmm. to just analyze and learn better on on that yeah, note in terms of sorry sorry to cut you off but um in terms yeah. of the within your classroom setup do you ever share these illustrations and stories with your classmates to get some feedback from them or is it mostly with the mentors it's it's a bit from everybody mm -hmm. so i have this class called senior portfolio and we basically share our projects and we get feedback from classmates and mentors on what we can improve on mm -hmm. and so that's that creates a good environment that's like the one class i appreciate because it's not just um you know you're you're in your own little bubble all the time you have peers to give you improvements on your work and the mentors can clearly see which direction you're going things like that and also what's cool is like the mentors sometimes they'll bring in people from the industry mm. to look at these projects and see if you're a good fit for their studio oh wow that's so good that's that's also a good networking opportunity um yeah that that's really beneficial in art school at least <laughs> yeah that's that's quite true Another thing I was quite curious about is in an art school or even just looking at a lot of amazing art online in general, do you ever feel the inclination to try broadening your style and attempting something else, which you like looking at visually, but you may not be doing on your own at the moment? Oh, so maybe something different from my project? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because like cool art is yeah. cool art and good visuals are good visuals, no matter what style. Yeah, I, I'll probably do something that's not related to my project on my off time. Mm -hmm. uh, I might not necessarily share it because it, it'll detract from my project. And when people see something different online, they're the question like, why'd you change up? <laughs> you know? What's but, happening? Uh, I, yeah, they, it's like these little shifts that people take note of. But if, if I want to create something that's completely not related to my project i'll do that on my own time and i'll share it on my story mm -hmm. instead like on instagram if i want to share it to people but um it would mostly just be for practice and not really for um you know like attention or anything it's just for my personal uh, study i feel okay but yeah i think like the experimental phase from what i said is I've I've kind of exhausted that, and now I'm just taking the dive into making my personal projects now. I'm not um, not doing much outside because I feel if I'm doing other stuff uh, that's not related to my project, I'll get sidetracked. Like that's what often happens to me. Yeah. Like I see something cool that I also want to do, but then if I go that direction. This project is still like not not getting done you know and it's that shiny object syndrome that we can have it's like we see one thing there 
we want to do it like that yeah we still want one thing there we want to do it like that and we can't make up our minds that's that's what happens a lot on social media <laughs> you know, we, we see people posting a lot of cool stuff and we can't choose because there's just so much awesome stuff out there like yeah we get sidetracked and nothing ever gets done and then we have these expectations on ourselves like oh i have to be this good as this artist or this artist instead of focusing laser focusing on your track so yeah definitely it's i think it's quite important to have that target or vision that you're trying to achieve otherwise you just end up spraying in too many directions and never really finish anything or achieve anything specific. yeah yeah that's really important and um i mean i had, I had that same problem obviously in the past where that springboard from one thing to the next but that's that's where you get lost and caught up in what other people are doing mm -hmm. instead of what you're doing and it also creates the comparison game yeah <laughs> and um that's something that i've had to really dig my mind out of for a while and <clears throat> that's what the personal project gives me is an excuse to block out the noise from social media and just hyper focus on this instead and um, it pays off like the hard work definitely pays off you just focus in and then after you finish it you can take some time to do whatever it is you want to do whatever it is you want to create and experiment and then start a new personal project if you want <laughs> or just Always. you know take, take a break for a while and think on some things because um, I think that's what uh you know matt rhodes right yeah yeah that guy did delirium he's, he's one of my favorites as well um that, he, he that, that, that went on for quite a long time as well right i mean he just yeah. <laughs> finished it a couple of months back i'm guessing yeah that was really satisfying to see come together uh i followed it almost near the beginning oh okay but he he was doing that consistently like every single day uh, I personally couldn't do that because <laughs> I would just get burnt out, but he's like a really prolific art director, so he knows how to keep up with the pace of things. I think to me, the but, most fascinating thing about his work was how rough the rough sketch was at the beginning. Yeah. And how, I mean, he just develops it to such a finished state. It's really brilliant to see. <clears throat> yeah, even like the final pieces, I, I don't know how how you can keep consistent with the style for every it's it's so unique and it's so skillful i don't yeah. know how to do that um but i guess that just comes with practice mm -hmm. you do it for so long that eventually becomes second nature to you i mean i think even so. in your work you've kept your style fairly consistent across the two projects and when you look at the entire body of work that's been developed it's quite easy to spot which universe the work belongs to. So I think you're doing a great job as well when it comes to that. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to try to make sure it's still in the same vein of how I paint, mm -hmm. but two different worlds. So people can see where I ended the project and where I started the new one. Yeah. So, and I think it's the subject matter is what differentiates it too. Do you ever so, plan to take these projects into animation or live action? Is that like a goal of yours? 
probably not for a while mm -hmm. i feel okay uh I, I don't have the technical capabilities of that yet but i think it would be really cool if someone did come up to me and say hey we want to maybe parallax one of your images to make it look like it's moving mm -hmm. that'd be really cool um but if it does turn into a big film that'd be awesome or like a short film even that'd be really cool to see but again like i'm not expecting anything huge out of my projects mm -hmm. um until maybe the opportunity does come but again i'm kind of just creating this for the people who follow me and just like inspiration for them yeah that's that's all it really is and uh hopefully they can start their projects one day and that's that's all i want out of my projects really is, is for them to be inspired by that that's awesome and i know you recently started another instagram page of yours called leveled feats oh yeah it's just like a personal blog <laughs> yeah i, I wanted it's, to talk a bit about that like what made you start that parallel journey so to speak yeah so i created that as a way to kind of branch away from art a little bit you know because i think mental health is really important mm -hmm. to us as artists and <clears throat> a lot of times we can get stuck in our rooms a lot and i wanted i wanted to make it a way so i could <laughs> i could essentially have a life outside of being an artist you know i it, i think we can get caught up in just the art and not enjoy life thoroughly and i wanted to show aspects of how i think in terms of discipline and motivation things like that so i thought it could be a way good way to share my thoughts on or with people of like how i approach motivation and how i use that to my work and um how often i try to go outside to make better images you know because <laughs> i think like exercise is a really important part of being an artist mm -hmm. I, I don't think i think every artist should be out there exercising going for a run going out in nature and um enjoying life too not just art because i think that's where a lot of depression sets in with a lot of artists and uh you know they they feel down on their work a lot of times but once you get outside and you get those endorphins running then a lot of new ideas spring into action and that's where that's how i get my creative fuel is by being out there a lot and as you've seen like i've, I've been going on bike rides a lot yeah with my buddies and things like that um that's that's what i want to share with my audience too is and enjoy the outdoors uh as much as you can because that's what doesn't doesn't let you stagnate on your work and people ask like how i'm able to be creative still and that's how i do it so was there yeah. uh, at the beginning any moment where you were a bit unsure or a bit shy maybe or hesitant to share or reveal so much of your daily personal routines out in the open that way um i not exactly mm -hmm. cuz 
I have put myself out there in the past. Like I, I, I was doing a lot of inline skating in the past, actually. Oh, okay. And I, <laughs> I, I made a YouTube channel back in the day that I don't really talk about. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> now we uh, know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I used to make like inline skating videos um, in the past for another community mm-hmm. of people, and so that kind of helped me to not be so scared to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, a lot of us have this fear that we're going to be judged by other people, but sometimes it's just like in our own heads of what we think people think of us. And sometimes we need that extra push to um, express ourselves and be authentic because when we're kind of reclusive and don't share our thoughts of, you know, whether it be life or art and things like that, we kind of limit ourselves to branching out even more, I feel. And I mean, it's kind of like what you're doing with the podcast too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you had to take a risk to, you know, <laughs> speak uh, to other people and hear their thoughts and things like that. So um, I, I think I've finally gone past that apprehension about myself okay but it's come a long way i think i i love the yeah. fact that even the level feed page has a very different aesthetic of its own and you maintain that throughout the grid oh yeah <laughs> it's, it's a small thing but i think it shows the fact that even in that aspect of your life you value a good aesthetic and you want to maintain it properly because there was no real reason to do it, but you chose to do it. I think those small things really show the mentality of the artist and the person behind it. Yeah, I, I believe, like, um, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that page was mostly for, for fun. It wasn't anything, like, uh, to get people, massive people following. Like, I don't expect that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's mostly a page for me to release my thoughts and uh kind of like a journal yeah like a to to account what i go through and things like that because um i want people to feel also like the artist struggle and things like that and what we think um because oftentimes we don't speak up about our struggles as artists and we keep all that stuff locked behind closed doors but i felt if I release these thoughts, maybe it'll help someone out there resonate the same way I do in terms of, oh, I, I, I feel that way too when I um, struggle with this thing in life or things like that, or in art too. Um, I think it's really important to share. Mm, that's nice. That That's a good thing actually, because that this is something that I struggle with quite a bit personally where I feel like I'm getting so stuck in the art bubble like we were just discussing and I need to do more things to kind of break out of it and definitely the podcast has helped with that tremendously because I'm getting to talk to so many different people from different parts of the world and each of them bring their own experiences so that's something new to learn yeah you're definitely like on the way up there man (laughs) you're you're getting really consistent with the podcast it's awesome to see all these people you're bringing on I appreciate uh, all that. these 
artists that I admire too that you're bringing on. And yeah. I mean, likewise, you guys are doing a tremendous job with your podcast as well. And that's something that I want to talk yeah. about. I mean, yeah, we've in the previous episodes with Adrian and Andre, we've spoken about how the podcast started, but uh, we I, I think we can still go deeper into how these conversations are affecting you as individuals. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just started. I think last year, I just asked those two like, "Hey, we should start something, mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's do it right now. Let's let's get it going." So yeah, I just opened up a page, and they they were surprised too because they didn't think that we were going to have a podcast, but now <laughs> we do. And so it was it was it was a new experience for me because I've never done a podcast, and I've I've always wanted to um, interview other people too and connect with new artists as well. Because you know when we're on Instagram, we just see people's work a lot of times but we don't really talk to people yeah i feel <laughs> you know and it's it's, it's very it, like surface level talk for the most part it's like yeah hey that looks cool yeah thank you yeah. and it kind of ends there <laughs> but yeah because i i followed artists for more than two years and we've never spoke <laughs> at all and it's it's sad because it's like there's some really interesting people out there mm-hmm. with a lot of cool stories and um <clears throat> I think talking to those people is is a great way to branch out connections and learn about how people think about certain things. And this podcast definitely helps in that way to not only put ourselves out there and to break that barrier of fear of, you know, judgment and things like that, but um, to really let ourselves be authentic and, maybe connect with our following our people who follow us it'll help them out in some way and i think our bond like our friendships have grown a lot stronger mm-hmm. through this as well and might have future plans for growing the business out of the name too who knows oh that's <laughs> might happen like we we have sort of these speculations of what might happen in light share in the future like what if we released Lightshare products? Like, that would be awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing yeah. for sure. So yeah, we kind of brainstormed about these things a little bit. And uh, it's probably like one of the greatest things that I've done with these guys is starting this podcast. And uh, it's it's honestly made our relationships with other artists a lot better. And uh, trying to help bring these guys up to the front as well and help them to push or let them be more open with themselves too because mm-hmm. uh, yeah i know something i found with. really interesting about your podcast is that each of the guests has such different life experiences and such different takes on their career and life i've, I've been getting a lot of interesting takeaways from each of them especially the one with I think Christian was the one who was talking about the value of money and life and art. And I think that was a pretty interesting episode. And it really got me thinking about quite a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's challenging because there were things that I didn't agree with him on certain aspects. And there were things that I did agree with him. And I would recommend all the listeners to definitely check out that episode if they have not. 
do you ever go back and revisit these conversations with your guests at a later stage you mean like talk to the same people again or yeah just i mean just the just either rewatch the videos or even talk to them personally just to continue that conversation that has started oh yeah <laughs> definitely um i've watched the rewatched a lot of the videos that we've made a, a couple months ago and some of them still resonate today like uh like the burnout video and the thing about art school mm-hmm. yeah i think that's still pretty relevant and um we we still I still talk about like some of these topics, even with some of the past guests. Like I still talk to Christian on occasion and Taylor, um, since we live so close to each other. Mm-hmm. We talk about these things all the time, and um, yeah, we we all tend to connect on these things as well. So, after having these conversations, has that changed your perspective as an artist compared to? a couple of years back when you were just focusing on the craft and not essentially having so many of these conversations on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that the conversations definitely contribute a lot to how I am as an artist today because I think back then I didn't really have a strong community to fall back on mm-hmm. or other artists to talk to because it's pretty much a lone wolf at the time. <laughs> and uh I I still kind of am, but it's a lot better with these guys like talking about sharing art and everything with or I, at least I feel the community is a lot more cohesive in my time right now than it was before because before I was pretty self-critical it was like my own worst critic on a lot of my work in the past. So I was in this journey mostly by myself, but I didn't really join to me art communities. I was just literally just trying to figure out how to do this thing. <laughs> so I, I didn't really share any uh, art struggles with anyone until now, until recently. So It's interesting that you mentioned me. that because I would have assumed that given the fact that you're in a college, an art college, you would have people oh, facing similar things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I meant um, before I entered college. Oh, okay, okay. Before I, I was mostly by myself. But okay. uh, yeah, in college, definitely had like a lot of people mm-hmm. that I related with. Um, but those four years before college was just, yeah, just me and my own thoughts. <laughs> uh, trying to get better in the art game. But as soon as college hit, I was uh, making a lot of new friends, a lot of new connections, teachers, and um like right off the bat, uh, I didn't expect uh, some people to know some of my work mm-hmm. before then. Because <laughs> at the time I was doing, yeah, like just the marching robot stuff and like some of the robotic uh, sci-fi kind of concept art. And I guess some people did know who I was from other artists at the school. Okay. So it was, it was cool to like have people that I thought I didn't know and <laughs> know me so so it's almost yeah. like you're entering an existing community that you can really get to yeah. know better because mm-hmm. I guess like a lot of the artists had Instagrams already at the time mm-hmm. so they might have seen my work float around oh, and they're like point. oh you're, you're him <laughs> like 
I didn't expect you to be at the school. <laughs> cool, yeah. But, That's um, interesting. Yeah. So uh, one thing that's always, I would say, impressed me about your overall journey is that you seem to have a very balanced outlook on the way you look at life and art. How have you reached to this point in terms of not getting caught up in that, let's say, race to keep getting better all the time? Yeah, so I had that mentality when I was first starting out mm -hmm. was to get better was to be the best because all my colleagues at the time were wanting to get jobs you know so it was a race to get a job in the industry yeah and <clears throat> i yeah i did feel that immense pressure to level up my skills as quickly as i could and um, try to get better every single day grind 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 mm -hmm. and <clears throat> i was that, that, that's when I realized when I did have like a massive burnout and I was depressed with my work and I was like, I don't think I can do this any longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it came to a point where um, I found more fulfillment in just working on these projects, these personal projects than trying to keep up with the industry. Cause before, I think seven years ago, that was when the industry was like, it wasn't as, well, it was well known, but not as many people were getting into it at the time. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't as saturated as it is now. I think there's a ton of artists now yeah. today. Um, but before then, I don't think... Uh, I don't think ArtStation even existed at the time when I was starting out. Maybe it did, but it was really like in the beta stages. I believe of, it's uh, six or seven years old at this point or six, I think. Yeah. Five or six, yeah. So that was around the time I started Concept Art. So mm -hmm. I think CG Hub or CG Society was a thing back then, but ArtStation wasn't a thing. And like, um, that was the time where yeah, a lot of my peers were just leveling up and I was leveling up with them. But as I grew older, my art career, um, <clears throat> I saw a lot of my peers, you know, getting jobs and things like that and industry work. And I was still in school, still trying to find myself as an artist. Mm -hmm. And after that whole burnout and trying to compete with everybody, I was just like done with it. I was <laughs> sick and tired. And after a while I thought, you know, why don't I just remove myself from the competition and just stay in my own lane? And yeah, that's brought me a lot more happiness like to my life than having to be the next best thing like out there. Because for me personally, I don't believe trying to be the best can sustain you that long because after you get to that point you know like where you climb next yeah after you're good <laughs> i think there's it's hard to find a goal after you're the best it's like what, what do you do um i think craig mullins had this talk also for uh it was like an art station talk um but he's 
he's like been doing this for almost 50 years and he even said like i don't know how many other mountains i have to climb after that because he's already reached he's already done like mostly everything yeah i feel as in his lifetime and that's what i feel personally is it's not necessarily like how can i be the best but how can i be good at helping my audience grow i think that that's when my mind shift i think shifted is mindset of yeah not trying to be the best artist but trying to be better at helping other artists grow that's like what i want ultimately and that's why i went into the teaching path yeah rather than the studio path because uh i'm more focused on trying to give value to people and um helping people with their struggles because i've already been there and i want people to to grow out of that if they can and find their way moving, sooner moving hopefully. forward do you want to make teaching an even greater part of what you do on a daily basis i would believe so yeah because recently since i've been talking to christian mm-hmm. and how and what he's doing with uh, stan prokopenko and everything i've seen like the other side of the teaching business now and how how someone like stan transformed himself into like what he is today yeah because you know he's been sharing stuff on figure drawing and things like that for years now and he's made a booming career out of it just just from figure drawing <laughs> and it's it's not anything special or anything but people find value in the stuff that he shares like the knowledge that he shares with people and i i think that's also where people make a lot of money too is just mm-hmm. by teaching people how to do this like how to get into the industry yeah <laughs> yeah like that's where a lot of money can come from and but it's for me it's it's not about like earning like a high salary or anything it's mostly just like how many people can i impact you know before i go or something <laughs> you know like i want to be able to reach out to my audience as much as i can before um yeah that's All that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a that's a good aim to have because i mean like you're saying stan's channel the greatest asset of the channel is how long he has been doing it for it's not just the tricks and techniques but the consistency of him showing up year after year and teaching at this point probably a new generation of artists itself compared to when he started the channel and oh, yeah that's what i find yeah. the most inspiring yeah cuz i think teaching is is infinite pretty much mm-hmm. I mean, there's always going to be new artists springing up every single day wanting to learn this trade and it yeah the teaching is like never going to go away cuz there's always people who are going to pay money to want to learn these things so i i find myself to be in that the pool of career right now cuz um it satisfies me mm-hmm. and 
it brings me joy when I can help someone else level up. Um, I know other people, they don't want to share that, <laughs> you know, they, they want to keep it for themselves. But yeah. to me, like it brings me fulfillment. And uh, I think personally, yeah. even when I look at the most prolific artists that I look up to, pretty much each one of them has at some point shared their work quite openly. So I think it's quite evident that the best of the best are always sharing their work and then kind of pushing beyond that level. And that journey keeps repeating itself, I feel like. I think sharing their work and sharing their skills to other people. Because uh, I know uh, some people don't want to share anything. Mm -hmm. They don't want to share any of their secrets. They don't want anything to go out. But you look at someone like John Park, for instance, and James Pake, who've created a school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're already making something great out of that. And people are finding value from their school. And it's because they offer knowledge to people. They're, make, they're able to make like a business out of it. And I think it's, it's a great uh, structure. <laughs> like instead of just working in a studio job, yeah. but for myself at least. I think it's also quite a tough job teaching. I think people underestimate how tough yeah. it can get. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially in my experience like the couple of limited workshops that I've done pe teaching people who are at the very start of their journey it can get quite tough because things that you take for granted are things that you need to teach them from the very very basic level and how, how I'm just curious how do you deal with those situations where you almost need to bring them I mean you need to bring yourself to their level and teach them right from the scratch yeah so with my students personally, I try to be as patient with them as much as I can. And I try to put myself into their shoes because how do I think how they think? Because obviously what they think is like bare bones. They, they don't know anything about this subject or any influences out there. So how can I make it more palatable for them to <clears throat> to understand this industry and to understand the techniques used in a more uh, like not streamlined way, but digestible way. Um, so they don't get overwhelmed because I know when you immediately show them the competition, it can <laughs> kind of intimidate them right off the bat. And I'm pretty sure they're aware of it too, but uh, just like taking it, step by step and reminding them that it's a journey. It's not like a rush to the finish is really important because I know these students are like, okay, I'm gonna do this just to get a job. And I think that's like one of the wrong approaches <laughs> to do art if like your sole purpose is to do art to get a job. Mm -hmm. I believe you're gonna hate it in the long run because you're not actually enjoying the process of being an artist. You're just trying to get money. And yeah. um, from what I say is like the money, <clears throat> the money will follow if you get good at your craft. Eventually. It doesn't matter what type of style you do, what type of subject matter you do. As long as you're good at what you do, eventually like someone's going to pay you for it. And, you know, don't be super desperate about getting the job just let it 
just let it naturally flow and fall into your lap. I think that's one of the best ways. Because um, that's what happened with me. It's like I've, I haven't really applied anywhere. Um, I've maybe applied three times, four times. But so far, most of the jobs have just been coming to me because I've been focusing on what I'm doing and just laser focused on my craft. And that creates, it's like a law of attraction. You know, what you do is going to attract people to you instead of you going to them. Why not bring the opportunities to you? And <laughs> that's what I try to tell my students is like, don't, don't search for the job, just let it come to you if you just get good and grind and practice. Again, uh, eventually, uh, it'll, um, yeah. I think a key element in that is also that you stuck to what you wanted to do. It wasn't just about waiting for the job, but it was following your idea, your passion and your style. And I think that was a key difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I feel when you're going to chase things, like sometimes you might not even get the job right off the bat. But if you just focus on you and you stay in your own lane, like thing, people will approach you. Like you might not expect it in the first couple of months, but once you put in the work and your the fruits of your labor will show for itself. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I think like it's one of the pieces of advice I can give to my students at least. And uh, so far, they seem to be taking it well. <laughs> um, a lot of them have been enjoying the class that I'm teaching. But yeah, I think one of the hardest aspects of teaching students is um, painting over their work and fixing their work. <laughs> That's like probably one of the most frustrating things to do. But once you get it down right, they, they're like happy that you help them fix it. Because uh, it's, it's kind of weird because like you're, you're in that position that you were when you first started out. Like you were that person years ago and now you're showing them the way. Um, so I, I honestly never expected to teach people in my career now. <laughs> um, I thought I was just going to do what I'm doing for the rest of my life, but I never thought I'd be a mentor to other people. So that, was, that just came out unexpectedly for me. Um, but it's... I, I'm really grateful that I found that path now of teaching because it's definitely opened new doors and uh, I'm glad to have students under me now. <laughs> so how many so. students do you take on at any given point? Well, right now I'm teaching four students. Mm -hmm. I used to just do one-on-one -on -one mentorships oh, okay. with people and I find that to be better because I'm able to give my full attention to the student. Uh, with four, it's kind of hard because I have to manage the time that I spend with each person within the amount of time I have in the class. Mm -hmm. So I might have two hours of class, but I might only be able to spend 
like 30 minutes on one student. student okay yeah yeah so i have to really calculate the time well but with one student i can give my full three hours of time to that student which yeah. is nice or two students two students is fine but when it gets larger in classroom setting i kind of just have to be like you're good you're good <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're doing this good and just yeah I, I can only do demos to show students at that point um um just to follow up on this teaching part as your reach as an artist keeps getting bigger i'm sure the number of people wanting to learn from you is also increasing um do you yeah. have do, do you have any like ways to tackle this going forward like how can you um share your knowledge with a larger set of people so to speak right so my plan after i graduate from alcad is to start doing private mentorships mm-hmm. with people so there's this website i use called skillp and you're able to put like a class on there and have people any amount of people you want to join your class okay so that's what i'm doing to expand that and <clears throat> probably make more gumroad videos and try to market that as well as i can okay um but also uh trying to expand more of my techniques not just the techniques that i show within my personal projects but maybe other elements like how to photo bash or how to do perspective or this and that like other key areas of fundamentals i think would be useful um because i think that's what people from what i've seen a lot of people still struggle with the fundamentals yeah so they still like the fundamental tutorials and not just like a 3d tutorial or something like how to do like values really well or like the lighting subject how do you light scenes really well i think that's still hard for people to wrap their heads around and people have said it's helped them a lot with some of the past tutorials i've done as a teacher does it get boring for you to repeat the fundamentals so many times um i won't say so <laughs> i think it's still fun for me okay i i still enjoy just teaching my students just because like i said it, it brings me joy to to help somebody out and to kind of guide them in the right direction uh there's never really a time where i get bored of teaching okay students it's mostly just like sometimes if i'm in the middle of a project or i'm swamped with my own work mm-hmm. and i have to teach on a certain day i'm like oh, <laughs> i have to go teach but it's not that i i don't like teaching the students just if it's on a wrong day yeah. or i'm like busy it's like oh great <laughs> i gotta teach now <laughs> i don't want to teach today <laughs> but it's uh yeah I still, I still like it. No, that's awesome. I think definitely, I'm sure the students must be enjoying your, I mean, learning from you quite a bit. Oh yeah, I, I try to keep the class pretty fun and lighthearted. I don't like to have a serious class where it's just like you know, sit down for <laughs> this time and and do the subject matter and turn it in on this time. It's like you know, take your time, study it, experiment try to do try to find your workflow that's what i tell them and uh i usually check in with them every 50 minutes just to see where they're at and i'll do some paint overs on the work and 
try to make it as comfortable as environment as I can because I've been in environments where teachers like just don't give a crap about your problems. Yeah. You're kind of just like fend for yourself, which in my opinion doesn't really help the artists mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause they're always, they're already having this pressure of trying to improve. So why make it harder on them to, you know, degrade them or something. Like I, I don't enjoy teachers like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I students. completely do that. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's almost like when the teacher is having a bad day, they just take it out on the students essentially. Yeah. That's, that's not cool at all. Yeah. So it's, it's that empathy. Yeah. Uh, and understand where they're coming from so dom um as we reach the two hour mark i think i just want to end the oh, conversation <laughs> yeah with one final question cool. um and essentially it's about time it comes back to it like where do you see the next 10 to 15 years of your life and art 10 to 15 years yeah i'll probably see myself still making projects. We've, I, I have a ton of ideas that I want to share with people eventually, new stories, new worlds that I want to build. Maybe have a collaborative project one day. Maybe bring you on on a collaborative oh, project that would be sometime amazing. in the future. Yeah. And like Adrian and Andre and some artists who want to join. And uh, still sharing knowledge, try to uh, build my business now on uh, these social media platforms and this inspires as many people as I can with my work. It's what I see myself doing. Awesome. I like that goal. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, Dom, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I, I learned a lot from your journey. And I think there's something that I really need to learn is the fine tuning of balance, which I think you have a better ha- grasp on. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. And, uh, it's great to be on here, sharing my thoughts. Awesome. So let's keep in touch down the line. And looking forward to what you come up with next. And have a nice day. You too.